0: Well, for those of you guys who don't know, Wes, would you like to stand up, please? Apparently, that would be no. But anyway, Wes is... Oh, hey, give it up for Wes. Look at that guy. Now, as you guys can see, if you paid attention, Wes was actually standing up. He's a vertically challenged guy like myself, but we're spry little critters, aren't we, Wes? Right? All right, so I said that all to get to this. Anyway, so one day, apparently soon... Uh, Recently, uh, Wes was uh, eating in a restaurant here in Vegas, right? And he's drinking his iced tea. He's minding his own business. And all of a sudden, this great big old giant tall dude, big old weightlifter guy, he comes up behind Wes and he whacks him right in the back of the head, knocks him off his chair, onto the floor. And then the big dude comes up behind Wes and he says, that was a karate chop from Korea. That's a Wes, he goes, man, what's up with that? And he gets back up on his chair there and he starts drinking his iced tea again and all of a sudden whack! Big dude knocks Wes right now again, right off his chair, and he goes, that was a judo chuck from Japan. Well, this Wes, he just gets up, he says nothing, he just quietly leaves. He comes back about five minutes later without a word. He walks up behind the great big old dude, and wham! Wes knocks that big old dude right off his chair, knocked him on the floor, knocked him out cold. And Wes looks over at the waitress and said, when he wakes up, tell him that was a crowbar from Sears. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Today's lesson is don't mess with Wes. Let's close in prayer. That's right. Now, folks, let's be honest, man. I tell you what. How many guys a little surprised at uh, Wes's actions there? You know what I'm saying? Being a little spry guy and knocking some guy out in the back of the head with a crowbar. Okay, everybody but Rosemary. But we won't go there. Okay. But seriously, uh, how many guys would say that you never would have guessed in a million years that Wes would return on the scene and do something like that? Right. Okay, if you, if you know Wes, anyway. Uh, but believe it or folks, did you know that the same thing is happening to our world? God has been warning our planet over and over again about how Jesus is coming back the second time. The first time, Jesus came as the mild and meek lamb crucified on our behalf. Amen? Praise God. Amen. But read your Bible, folks. He's coming back again. And the second time, he's the mighty lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's going to dish out the beatings. Hello? And the point is this, folks, unless you accept him right now as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't, you are going to be catapulted into the seven year tribulation, and that's not a joke. You want to talk about some beatings? That is a time, the Bible says, when God is going to pour out his wrath on this wicked and rebellious planet. Jesus said it's going to be the worst time in the history of mankind, never to be repeated again, and that unless God did shorten that time frame, the entire human race will be destroyed. How many guys would say that's not a good time? Exactly, and that's what we've been saying. Praise God. God is not just a God of wrath. He's a God of love as well. So he warns us. He warns us ahead of time. That's what you see in Bible prophecy, okay? He warns us when we don't know the exact day nor the hour, but we can know when the tribulation is getting near and the rapture is right around the corner, okay? So in order to keep you and I here at sunrise from experiencing what I would think would be the ultimate, rough, hard, rotten day of being left behind, even worse than messing with Wes. Let's just move on. We're going to continue, that's right, in our study, The Final Countdown, update okay how many guys wait every single time for that thing to jiggle like that all none of you praise god let's move on uh so far we've already seen the first eight updates on our final countdown study update and that was the jewish people the antichrist modern technology worldwide upheaval the rise of falsehood the rise of wickedness the rise of apostasy in the last two times was the rise of a what a one world religion and there we saw the bible clearly tells us god speaking That out of love that when you see all the world's religions on the planet coming together as one Which is happening right now today all over the world and we'll see that in just a second as well as the elimination Of those who will never go along with this program and that's happening too Okay, we saw that the last two times with this worldwide assault on christians being done two different ways Via the homosexual movement and last time the ecumenical movement I.e. their belief that all paths lead to heaven let's merge into one which is not true. How do you get to heaven? jesus christ said it john 14 6 he is the way the truth the life he's the only way that you get to the father and what we saw though the problem is these now these two movements have become the ultimate excuse to make true evangelical christianity a what hate crime okay and it's not just punishable by uh, fines but even jail time here in america Why? Because there's a plan in place. The Antichrist is using these two excuses, I truly believe, to get rid of you and I, the true Christians, replace us with fake, phony Christians who will go along with the one world religion. And that's what Jesus said is going to happen when you're living the last days. It's happening now. Okay? But that's not all. The second way we know we are headed for a one world religion is not just a worldwide assault on Christians, but you're going to see a worldwide assimilation of believers. Now, what I mean by that term there, believers, is the world's definition of believers, i.e. what the ecumenical movement says. You know, we're all, you believe in God, you, you must be you know, a religious person. We all believe in God, we're all, we, and therefore we can all merge into one. That's what I mean by believers, the world's definition of that. Now, believe it or not, folks, the Vatican is promoting just that. Of all entities on the planet, the Vatican is promoting this ecumenical movement that all paths lead to heaven. We just need to come under the umbrella of the vatican now what's wild is if you read your bible it just happens to fit in perfectly with what the bible says the one world religion harlot will do working in conjunction with the actual antichrist okay but don't take my word for it let's listen to God. So open your bibles to revelation 17 revelation 17 we're going to take the look at the classic passage a whole chapter dedicated uh and then again 18 so you really got two of the one world religion harlot, okay? And we're gonna see here a description of her, okay? This entity, and then we're gonna see how she works with the Antichrist, and then we're gonna see that she's gonna be destroyed by the Antichrist. He uses her like a tool, okay? But in the beginning, they work together. Revelation 17, and uh, we're gonna read verses 1 through 6, her description. Then we're gonna read, drop down to 15 through 18, take a look at her destruction. Okay, Revelation 17, the woman that rides the beast, the one religion that works, rides, initially, seemingly in control, even of the Antichrist. Let's take a look at that text. Verse seven, uh, chapter 17, verse 1 says, Now one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth, listen, were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. I mean, it's just like, woohoo, man, she's awesome. This is great. Don't you want to be a part? Pay attention to that because we're going to see that later. With the Protestant Church, is inebriated now with this movement. Okay, And it says this, then the angel carried uh, me away in the in the spirit into a desert. And there I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names, had seven heads and ten horns, and the woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold and precious stones and pearls. And she had this golden cup in her hand, filled with the abominable things that uh, and the filth of her adulteries. And the title was written on her forehead, Mystery, Babylon the Great the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to who? To Jesus. Now, let's go down to verse 15 and take a look at her destruction. And then he says this, verse 15, Then the angel said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute sits and the peoples, multitudes, and nations and languages. That's what they are. Oh, if I only knew. If I only knew what the waters were, I'm gonna to have to pray and fast for fifteen years and go to prayer conferences with and fasting conferences with meals included and Meals included, they actually do that, if you can believe that, at fasting conferences. But anyway, <laughs> hey, if I only knew what the waters keep reading. This is what I love. Just keep reading. Oftentimes the text will define itself. So what she's obviously she's governing the waters, the multitude, the nations, the people, the world. This one world religion entity is sitting over The world, okay. The beast and the ten horns, the antichrist you saw, will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked, and they will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Why? Because who's in control? Even in the seven year tribulation, Satan is not a loose cannon on deck. God is always in control. For God, it says there, has put into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to give the beast their power to rule until God's words are fulfilled. The, The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. That's another key passage, okay? But folks, there's a lot going on in this whole chapter and certainly just even what we read. But we already just saw that the one world religion harlot will not only be drunk with the blood of the saints. We saw that last time. Okay, it's going to martyr, it's going to kill, it's going to slaughter those who get saved after the seven-year tribulation begins. And again, what's the lesson? You should have gotten saved now before it began. Okay, but it also says she's obviously going to be working in conjunction initially with the Antichrist. Okay, she's going to be riding on top. So it's like you're riding on a horse. You're the one in control. It appears that way initially. And she's going to be working with him, controlling the religions of the world. And it says there, ruling over the kings of the earth. But we saw at some point the Antichrist is going to turn on her, and God's going to allow that as a form of punishment and judgment, and the Antichrist is going to destroy her. Okay, He's going to use her as a tool until he gets what he wants, and that's world domination. Now, I said all that to get to this. Okay, In order for this passage to be fulfilled, this takes place during the seven-year tribulation. So if we're getting close to it, we don't know the day nor the hour, then we should see some sort of signs leading up to this being fulfilled. I.e., in order for this to be fulfilled, we need to see some sort of global religious identity working with the kings of the earth, the governments of the world, trying to control them. Number two, we need to see this same exact global religious entity promoting the lie that all religions need to come together as one specifically under its control, right? Can I tell you something, folks? The Vatican's doing both of those right now before our very eyes. This global religious entity. In fact, it's been going on for quite some time, if you've been paying attention. Now, if you recall, as far as ruling over the kings of the earth, this, I always found this strange, even as a non-Christian... Before I got saved, 21 years ago, okay? Uh, If you recall, folks, who does virtually all the top world leaders, when they get into office, when they're elected, even American presidents for a multitude of administrations, when they get into office, who do they eventually, not too long thereafter, go eventually meet? The Pope at the Vatican. Why? Why? Well, because they're working in conjunction with the world's governments right now trying to control them. That's what the text says a religious global entity would do. It's been going on for quite some time. And two, they would have to therefore bring about all the religions together into one under their control. As we saw before, folks, the Vatican's been working on that for decades now. Let's take a look at some of that proof.
1: The Vatican and the Roman Catholic Church, its pope is currently leading the greatest ecumenical movement in history in order to unite all religions under Rome's leadership. In 1986, Pope John Paul II gathered in Assisi, Italy, the leaders of the world's major religions to pray for peace. There were snake worshippers, fire worshippers, spiritists, animists, Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, North American witch doctors. I watched in astonishment as they walked to the microphone to pray. The Pope said they were all praying to the same God. And that their prayers were creating a spiritual energy that was bringing about a new climate for peace john paul ii allowed his good friend the dalai lama to put the buddha on the altar in saint peter's church in assisi and with his monks to have a buddhist worship ceremony there while Shintoists chanted and rang their bells outside the prophesied world religion is in the process of being formed before our eyes and the vatican is the headquarters of the movement Is this not spiritual fornication?
0: Yeah. Or as Revelation would say, the one world religion heartlet, adultery. It's the same thing, folks, is what's going on, okay? And uh, again, the Vatican is the headquarters. Now, not only that, do they want to, and they have been for decades, as you just saw, trying to get all religions together in one under their control. But uh, the governments, the kings of the earth around the world right now, are calling not just for the religions to come together, but they're saying, of all things, we need a new global headquarters to control all the world's religions. And guess who's wanting to stand up to the plate and say, we'll do that for you? Watch this. We've seen some of this before. King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia, because you're thinking, oh, the Muslims, they'll never go along with it. Well, what? listen to this. He's been planning for years to, quote, find a way to unite the world's major religions in an effort to help foster peace. And he believes a new international organization will help make that dream a reality. We need somebody to govern the religions in order for peace. You're thinking, the Jewish people never go along with that. Uh-uh. We know the Bible says they go under a temporary blindness. They're actually going to strike a deal with the Antichrist. We'll see that in a second. Daniel 9:27, which starts the seven-year tribulation. Later, their eyes open up, and they realize they made a mistake. But this is Chief Rabbi Yonah Metzger. He's one of the two chief rabbis in Israel, said, quote, We need a united relations of religions which would contain representatives of the world's religions as opposed to nations, a church, a mosque, a synagogue, a holy temple must be embassies of God, and we have to spread this idea to what? Our believers. And he suggested that the Dalai Lama could lead the assembly. Well, you got to have a false prophet if you're going to work. I'm not saying he is. It might be somebody else. But anyway, it's all coming together. Uh, Muslim figure uh, Adnan Akhtar, he said this. He met with three uh, representatives from the Jewish Uh, Sanhedrin, which just came back on the scene, by the way, that's another issue, okay, to discuss how religious Muslims, Jews, and Christians can work together building what? The temple. So you need a global place for everybody to worship. An official statement about the meeting has been published on the Sanhedrin's website. Here's what he said. We are all the sons of one father, the descendants of Adam, and all humanity is but a single family. Peace among nations will be achieved through building the house of God where all peoples will serve. We can all worship in this global temple. And he added, quote, the temple will be rebuilt. Notice it will be rebuilt. And believers will worship there in tranquility. And the temple could be rebuilt in one year. You know, we've got a lot of modern technology. We can get it done pretty fast. This is the actual temple that the actual Antichrist will actually go up into, halfway into the seven-year tribulation and say, hey, worship me, I'm God. Why? Because the first half, he dupes the harlot to get what he wants. And then he turns it all on the head and says, now worship me, I'm God. Absolutely amazing. And this just happened, folks, just recently. Shimon Peres, former president of Israel, even more recently met with who? Pope Francis. Hey, we need your help to discuss the idea of creating a UN-like organization that he called the United Religions. You like the United Nations governs the governments? This would govern the religions. Working right now with Pope Francis to, quote, bring an end to the wars raging in the Middle East and around the world. So if we can all just now, not just merge our religions together, but we need a headquarters for it. We need somebody to oversee all the world's religions, and we're going to you, Vatican, we're going to you, Pope, to make sure this happens, to bring peace on the planet. That's what's going on in the news right now. The world religious leaders are calling for this, and the Vatican is leading the way. In fact, if you're paying attention, folks, uh, Pope Francis is making trips over there in uh, Israel. As we all know, it's just for tourism. No, a lot of people say that what's going on there is he's trying to strike a deal, and they've been doing this for years, by the way, to uh, grab control of Jerusalem and the Temple Mount because they want control of that, okay? In fact, he's over there, and he's been over there even recently. I'm going to show this to you. And he's over there combining all the three major world religions together saying, let's come together as one, and uh, we'll help you out, get that job done. Watch this.
2: Pope Francis, on the final day of his Middle East trip, prayed and laid a wreath at Jerusalem's Holocaust Museum. He visited the grave of the father of modern Israel, Theodore Herzl, met with the two chief rabbis of Jerusalem, and paid courtesy calls on the Israeli president and prime minister. Earlier, the Pope met with the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem at the Haram El-Sharif saying a visit to the Holy Land would not be complete without such a meeting. I make a heartfelt plea to all people and to all communities who look to Abraham. May we respect and love one another as brothers and sisters. Rabbi Arthur Schneier from the United States praised the Pope's visit.
1: Unfortunately, there are those religious leaders who seek to divide them. The fact that the Pope is here, visiting Israel, and also the fact that Bartholomew, the ecumenical patriarchs here is really a milestone in interfaith relations.
2: On Sunday evening, Pope Francis met with Eastern Orthodox leaders at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, on the site where many believe Jesus Christ was crucified. Patriarch Bartholomew, the spiritual leader of the world's Orthodox Christians, lamented racial discrimination and religious extremism in contemporary society.
3: In the face of such conditions, love the others, the different other, the followers of other
1: faiths and other confessions.
0: Oh, look at that. All the major religions with the Pope there planting an olive tree for peace and unity. And uh, uh, Next thing you know, the Antichrist is going to come by. He's going to water it. (laughs) We're all worried who's going to make it to the playoffs. This is going on in the news. Can you believe it? It's happening before our very eyes, okay? Now, what's wild, folks, if you know anything about the occult, The occult says that what we're seeing in the news is the very thing. See, we think this is a bad thing. Obviously, this is the rise of the Antichrist kingdom. This is the rise of the one world religion. The occult thinks this is a good thing. I'm going to share with you some notes that were snuck out of an occult meeting by a Christian. And here's what the other side of the fence, the dark side, the occult, is waiting for. You tell me if we're not getting close, even from their angle. All right, They believe that once all the world's religions come together, and they're expecting it soon... Okay, that a religious leader will be chosen to be the earth's religious spokesperson. I wonder who that might be. Interesting. And will then encourage the peoples of the world to accept a new world leader who will suddenly appear on the scene. Well, that sounds interesting. That's just like what the Bible says about the false prophet who convinces the world to worship the beast of the Antichrist. That's what they're waiting for. The occult is also in agreement that none of this can fully take place until the people who will never go along with this one world religion are taken out of the way. Who's that? That's us. In fact, here's what's wild. This is what they're waiting for. The people who are restraining, interesting word there, the restraining influence, the church, once the church disappears, whoo, think it's bad now, you ain't seen nothing yet. The people who are restraining or holding things up, according to the occult, they, they won't necessarily die quote, but will somehow mysteriously disappear or, in their words, elect to leave this dimension as if going to another room. So once those nasty Christians disappear, wow, we can finally pull this off. That's what the occult's waiting for. And they say once these people leave this earth, the occult says the new world leader will rightly take his place over the world, and then and only then will it be possible to build a combination temple church mosque in Jerusalem. Boy, we see no signs of that happening. We just saw the popes over there right now, doing just this. And at the proper moment in history, a world religious leader will visit the combined Jewish-Christian-Muslim sector of Jerusalem to announce that all the religions should now be combined into one. This will create what they're calling the New Jerusalem Covenant, or contract. And all religions will now celebrate three festivals, the festival of goodwill, the festival of Easter, the festival of WESAC, and will create the new world order religion, which will now be the spiritual equivalent to the political United Nations. Wait a second, isn't that what we just saw? The world religious leaders are saying we need to do? Yeah, and that's what they're expecting. And they say this action will finally break the Middle East logjam. Now we can finally have peace in the Middle East by doing this. And as one person said, I wouldn't be surprised if this group is actually writing the peace treaty that the Antichrist will sign with Israel which is important because that's the prophecy of Daniel 9.27, which starts the seven-year tribulation. Let's take a look at that. Daniel 9.27, he, the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant. I wonder if they'll call it that, the New Jerusalem Covenant. With the people, uh, the Israelites, uh, Jews, uh, with many for one seven, seven years. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on a wing of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. In other words, let me translate that for you. He loses. Okay? Even he, he used the one world religion harlot to get what he wanted, world domination. God's using him. Okay? He is not in control okay he's going to lose but here's the whole point what we're seeing together if this passage is going to come to pass revelation 17 you need a global religious entity who is working and controlling the governments around the world that's what's happening right now at the vatican number two you need a world religious entity that is encouraging all the world's religions to come under as one under its umbrella its control right the vatican's doing that too in fact if you're paying attention to the new pope pope francis Okay, you're going to see, folks, he is making it so easy for anyone and everyone, except for Christians, true Christians, to be a part of this one-world religion. I mean, I mean, even if you're an atheist, according to Pope Francis, you can still be a part of this global religion. Let's take a look at that.
3: Good news for all you atheists out there. Jesus is still going to redeem you. During his homily at Wednesday Mass, Pope Francis emphasized the importance of doing good as a principle that unites all humanity. In his sermon, he said the Lord has redeemed all of us, all of us, with the blood of Christ, all of us, not just Catholics, everyone, even the atheists. Yeah, Pope Francis said that atheists are still eligible to go into heaven. <laughs> yeah, and to return the favor, atheists said that popes are still eligible to go into a void of
4: nothingness. <laughs>
5: So, apparently the new Pope Francis has really gone off the rails with his papal duties and has continued spouting off his dangerous message of peace and compassion. He was quoted as saying, the Lord has redeemed us all, all of us, with the blood of Christ, all of us, not just Catholics, everyone, even the atheists, everyone. Hey guys, we did
4: it. We're all going to heaven. Even you right there. Good
5: work, world. It looks really cool. It's a really good day. It's like the Pope printed out a whole bunch of get out of jail free cards and distributed them to everyone. NBC's Ann Thompson is at the Vatican. and good morning. Good morning, Natalie. You thought that was extraordinary. Perhaps his most interesting comments came when asked about a gay lobby. He said he had never met anybody in the Vatican that had gay on their business card. And he said, if someone is gay and they are searching for the Lord, who am I to judge? He said people should not be marginalized.
0: As a lesbian and a Catholic, Cleo Mayer could never have imagined being this happy among fellow Catholics. Cleo married Donna, they had a child and found a Catholic church in Atlanta that accepted them. For this couple, the words of Pope Francis on not judging or condemning homosexuals is a divine sign they are welcome in the Catholic faith.
2: I just see an olive branch being extended for things that may not have been previously from other, from other popes, uh, from the position of the church. And that's very refreshing and it gives us hope.
0: Parishioners say by advocating deep compassion over harsh judgment, he's bringing its flock a step closer towards its divine calling. And apparently that divine calling is to form this global religion that anyone can join even if you're an atheist or a homosexual. Now, obviously the problem is that's not what the Bible says. First Corinthians, we saw before, folks. First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine through 11 says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Amen. You don't know this? Vatican, don't be deceived. Don't listen to this guy. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, such were some of you. Meaning, you're not doing that anymore. You're not condoning it. You're not saying, okay, no big deal. You were that way. Here's the good news. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. He is making it so easy for anybody and everybody to be a part of this. In fact, he even admitted, he's even saying that you can't even, quote, be saved unless you're under their umbrella. Listen to this. He actually said it's dangerous for you and I, for anybody on the planet, to think that we can be saved apart from the Catholic Church and this global religion. Quote, on June 25th, Pope Francis spoke to an audience of 33,000 people saying this, there is no such thing as do-it-yourself Christians or free agents. Quote, it is a dangerous temptation, he said, to believe that one can have a personal, direct, immediate relationship with Jesus Christ without communion with and mediation of the church. In other words, you can't even be saved unless you're a part of this. That's a one-world religion harlot. So on the one hand, you're making it easy for anybody, atheists, homosexuals, no matter what you believe, apparently you can go to heaven under them. But on the other hand, what are you going to do with the Protestant church? You know, I, don't have, I wish I had time to go into the history of the Protestant church. You and I, our basic beliefs, the early church, uh, the Protestant movement cut away from the Catholic Church. That's why we're sitting here today able to read the Bible in our common language, English. Brothers and sisters in Christ were killed by the Catholic Church, drowned by the Catholic Church, beaten alive, burned alive by the Catholic Church because they had the audacity of just getting a Bible into the common man's hands. And so the point is, if this is going to come to pass, this one world religion harlot, then they've got to take it even to the next level. They've got to somehow dismantle... The Protestant church. Can I tell you something? This is what's crazy. As we saw before, the first video clip, that was Pope John Paul II. He's been for decades, and he was back then for many years. The Vatican's been working on drawing all the world's religions together. But what should get our attention, folks, is what's happening right now with the Protestant church. The Protestant church right now is going back to Rome. I'm going to start with the first video clip proving this point with a video clip from Kenneth Copeland. Now, Kenneth Copeland, as we know before, is a false teacher. He's a word-of-faith heretic, okay? But technically, him and his church is supposed to be Protestant, okay? Uh, kind of the charismatic flavor, okay? and uh, But he recently piped into his congregation a personal message from Pope Francis. Now, stop right there. What if I were to say next Sunday, this is why you should invite your friends? It has nothing to do with swamp chickens. I mean, turkey. It has, we're going to pipe in a private message from Pope Francis to encourage us. What would you do to me? I hope you would fire me. Amen? All right, that you'd rise up and fire me. But this is what Kenneth Copeland did he piped in a private message from Pope Francis. The bishop, who is introducing this message, makes some comments after the message is over and listen to what he says about the Protestant Reformation. This should send chills up your spine. Let's take a look.
1: Thank you, Lord. I said, thank you, Lord. <laughs>
0: You're gonna talk about
1: tonight for a long. <laughs> Brother Tony, come on up, would you please? And uh, Tony Palmer, some of you may know Tony. Tony and I go way back, but he's gonna, he's gonna be telling you that, Story. I asked him to come give his testimony. and He's got a special message for us tonight.
4: Forgive me this opportunity to spend a couple of moments introducing to you something really, really special and historic.
0: Dear brothers and sisters, excuse me, because I speak in Italian
4: e pregare il Signore
0: perché ci unisca tutti e avanti siamo fratelli ci diamo spiritualmente questo abbraccio e lasciamo che il Signore finisca l'opera che Lui ha incominciato perché questo è un miracolo il miracolo dell'unità è, è incominciato vi chiedo di benedirmi e io vi benedico di fratello a fratello
4: this brought an end to the protest of Luther. Brothers and sisters, Luther's protest is over. Is yours. And I get a bit cheeky here because I challenge my Protestant pastor friends. If there is no more protest, how can there be a Protestant church? Maybe we now we're all Catholics again.
0: <laughs> that Protestant, quote unquote, congregation thought that was funny. Luther's protest is over, how about yours? Can I translate that for you? Are you done protesting? You ready to come back under the umbrella of the Mother Church and help us form this one world religion? But you might be thinking, and rightly so, well, hey, that's just Kenneth Copeland, you know, he's a false teacher, what do you expect, right? I'm sure he's the only one doing this. No. In fact, many folks of the charismatic movement are doing the same thing. A lot of their leaders, okay, they're doing the exact same thing. In fact, they're chumming up with the Pope, they're meeting with the Pope, they're even giving high fives to the Pope, trying to discuss how we can all come together as one. Here's the proof. This just recently happened. Uh, Here we see in order from left to right, John and Carol Arnott, Brian Stiller, Kenneth Copeland... Right next to Pope Francis in the middle there, Thomas Schurmacher, Jeff Tenecliffe, James and Betty Robinson. Pay attention. They got that Life Today program, huge, big, giant Christian program, and Bishop Tony Palmer. Okay. And it's one thing to meet with the Pope, but their meetings are to discuss, quote, unity in diversity is the theme. And then you got strange statements being made by James Robinson here, uh, who is giving the Pope high five. This is an actual photograph there at the meeting. And he says this, quote, the enemy has kept many Christians from loving one another as Christ loves us and has failed to recognize the importance of supernatural unity even with all the unique diversity. He said, this week I was blessed to be a part of perhaps an unprecedented movement between evangelicals and who? The Catholic Pope. He says, I believe I am beginning to witness what Jesus prayed for. He's referring to when Jesus prayed for unity among believers. That's not the, what Jesus was praying for. Okay, that's not the unity. And he says this, it gets even worse. He says, years ago, God told me to reach out beyond the safe, comfortable walls of my Southern Baptist tradition, beyond denominational barriers, and to seek to bring the family together. Oh, how I hope and I pray that this is the case. Listen, dear God, let it happen and let me gladly be a part of it. What did the text say? Oh, they were drunk with the wine of her adulteries and intoxicated. It's like, wow, man, this is awesome. This one-world religion, I'd just gladly be a part. That's what's happening to people in the Protestant church, okay? But you might be thinking, okay, well, again, Pastor Billy, that's just the charismatic movement. With all due respect, we don't agree with everything that they teach, and they got some interesting teachings, okay? But, but I, I'm sure they're the only ones who do that. The Protestant church, we're staying solid. He's using sarcasm. That's right, I'm using sarcasm, so you know what's coming. Okay, now we have people like Beth Moore. When I say slide, we're talking big slide. And guess who she's hanging out with? These people. The same charismatics you just saw. She's been on the James Robinson show, I don't know how many different times, and she's met with other ones. But she's starting to make some strange comments about Catholics. Let's take a look at that.
5: Right over here to my right, you see... First United Methodist Church of Less Than Land. Right behind them, you would find, just down the street, just across the street, really, you've got Christ the Redeemer Lutheran Church. Every single one of my sisters in this area attends a Lutheran church, which thrills me. These all attend a Methodist church. I can't tell you how I love that kind of diversity. What I've asked these ladies to do right here, now this makes it a little bit different because they do go to different churches. But what I've asked them to represent tonight to us is an African-American church that we're gonna call Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church. Is that good? Did I do good? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right back here, I want you to meet St. Anne's Catholic Church of Lessonland. These ladies come, every single one of them, although they don't go to one Catholic church, every single one of them attend a Catholic church probably right here in Houston, and I am so thrilled that they are here. What I've asked my sisters to do here, actually they represent many different churches, but they represent one church in our midst tonight. These are our sisters that attend different charismatic churches in the city. But tonight, they attend Abundant Life Church. Is that good?
0: No, with all due respect, Beth, that's not good. Just kind of lumping in Catholicism that we're all part of the same family? No, we're not. Folks, official Roman Catholic teaching is not the gospel that you and I preach, Jesus and Jesus alone. It's Jesus, if you really want to call it, it's not really him. You've got to go through Mary as the mediatrix, which is unbiblical. But then you've got to keep the sacraments and do all this stuff. That's a works-based salvation. That's not the same thing. So how are you saying we're sisters, we're brothers, whatever you want to call it, okay? But you might be thinking, well, that's just one Protestant lady. We all know that uh, Protestant pastors, woohoo, we're standing strong, aren't we? Sarcasm. Whoever said that, sarcasm, you're right. Uh, pay attention to what Joel Olstein said. Here's where he gets uh, apparently his inspiration. Let's take a look at that
1: more than
5: 60,000 people will pack Yankee Stadium tomorrow for a night of hope it's a huge event featuring Lakewood Church Pastor Joel Osteen and his wife Victoria before he arrived in New York Osteen paid a special visit to the Vatican where he met with Pope Francis tonight Osteen shares the experience with local two anchor Dominique Soxa as we sat down and talked about the preparations for the big event Joel revealed to me an incredible opportunity he just had to meet with Pope Francis
0: I just felt very Honored and very humbled. You know, seeing the Pope give the Mass to 100,000 people that day, you just see, you know, he's had such a heart to help people. I love the fact that he's made the church more inclusive, not trying to make it smaller, but to try to make it larger, to take everybody in. So that just resonates with me.
5: With Rome behind him, Joel feels he has divine inspiration fueling his message for tomorrow night.
0: Wow, so he really likes the Pope and you know, and how he's trying to bring everybody together, and umbrella that resonates with him. Apparently, he's using the same techniques. But you might be thinking, well, and rightly so. Hey, listen, pastor, but that's just Joel Olstein. We know that he's the king of fluff. He only preaches fluff. Uh, lots of unbiblical stuff going on there. But uh, what do you expect? Okay, but not the rest of us Protestant pastors. Okay. Yes, yeah, sarcasm, Lord. Thank you, Bobby. Uh, folks, we're going to take a uh, uh, we're going to take a look at a clip from Rick Warren. Rick Warren was interviewed by the EWTN, the Catholic Channel. And you tell me if this guy, when push came to shove, would go along with Rome or would reject Rome. Let's take a look at what he said.
4: What is your secret to reaching people every day, every week, not only in your writing, but when you speak to them? What is it? What is this communication gift if
3: you will, if you could decode it. The the main thing is love always reaches people. Authenticity, humility. Pope Francis is the perfect example of this. Hmm. He is is doing everything right. You see, people will listen to what we say if they like what they see. See. Mm -hmm. And uh, as, as our new Pope, he was very, very symbolic in... You know his first mass with people of aids uh, his is uh, kissing of uh, of the disformed man, yeah. his loving the children, this authenticity, this humility, the caring for the poor. this is what the whole world expects us Christians to do hmm. and when we when they go oh, that 's what a christian does I, in fact, there's a headline here in Orange county, and I love the headline I saved it it said. If you love Pope Francis, you'll love Jesus. (laughs) That that was the headline? (laughs) That was the headline. It was the headline. I saved it. I showed it to a group of priests I was uh, speaking to a while back. I love that. (laughs) When I walked
4: into your office here, I was struck. You have three images and personal notes that confront the person walking into your office. And there is Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King. Right and Billy Graham. Right. Why those three? What do they give you and what have they well, given
3: Well, the, the only, thing, only one who's missing was Pope John Paul II. Those four people were the greatest influences on the 20th century, without
4: a doubt. The Vatican recently sent a delegation here to Saddleback, the yeah. Pontifical Council, or the Academy for Life. The Academy for Life, exactly. Tell me what they discovered and why did they come? This was a, this was a sizable group. It was.
3: There were about 30
4: bishops from
3: Europe. Um, one of the men who had been uh, actually trained and mentored by Jean Vanier, oh. and which is an interesting thing because we have a retreat center here and my spiritual director, uh, who grew up at Saddleback. actually uh, went and trained under John Vanier too, wow. so I'm very excited about that. Um, but they were talking about the new evangelization, and Saddleback uh, has been very effective in reaching secular mindset. So we figured out a way to reach that mindset, and I fully support the
4: Catholic Church's new evangelization. Tell me about your. The little breather you take in the day when you watch television, which surprised <laughs> me. When we uh, first met, you yeah. came up to me and said, Hey, Raymond, I said, yeah. I can't believe you watch this show. You know show. what? I'm an avid fan of EWTN.
3: I, I make no bones about it. I probably watch it more than any Christian channel uh, Why? because I happen to have <laughs> one of my favorite shows, which you replete often, is the, the Chapel of Divine Mercy. Really? Which uh, I love. And when I've had a very stressful day, I'll come home, I've got it taped, and Kay and I will both listen. We'll, put it on and just sit back, relax, worship, and, and in, that, in that time of reflection, meditation, quietness, I find myself renewed and restored. So hmm. thank you for ke- continuing to replay the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. Thank Mother Angelica. Uh, thank you, Mother uh, Angelica. Well-
1: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. You expired, Jesus, but the source of life gushed forth for souls, and the ocean of mercy opened up for the whole world. O font of life, unfathomable divine mercy, envelop the whole world, and empty yourself out upon us.
0: So it's not just the Pope, it's our Pope, it's us Christians, you're working with the Pope, you got pictures of Mother Teresa and a Pope on your wall for inspiration, and your favorite channel is the Catholic channel, and at times of stress, you and your wife sit before it, and if you know that program, all it does is chant Catholic prayers over and over and over again. Here's my point in bringing that up, folks. Uh, When push comes to shove and the Pope says we need to combine all religions together under one, with all due respect, based on what you just saw and what you just heard, do you think that gentleman would go along with it or resist it? I think he'd go along with it because he thinks it's good. Now, what's really concerning is it gets even worse. Well, unfortunately, maybe that's just Rick Warren. The rest of us are going to hold strong. Well, I certainly hope we do. Okay, but there's some concerning things from the top, folks, that's been concerning me the last couple weeks. I just came across this. Russell Moore, he's the president of the Southern Baptist Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. He said two weeks ago, and I quote, gay therapy, the attempts to change a person's sexual orientation, has been severely counterproductive. And he joins a course of psychologists and religious leaders who have departed from the once popular therapy. So with all due respect, now us quoting Romans chapter 6, that we are no longer slaves to sin when we become saved in Jesus Christ and that we can have the blessed hope of a new identity, become a new creation, a new creature, a new person in Jesus Christ. That's counterproductive. And not just counterproductive, that's severely counterproductive. That's when my first flag went up. The second one was just on the plane coming back from the conference last week. And guess what's happening tomorrow? Quote, Russell Moore, Rick Warren, and Pope Francis is joining with Muslims, Buddhists, and a multitude of religions for an interfaith conference on marriage. Wait, whoa, wait a second. With all due respect, what's there to learn? Why are you... And with Rick, and you're still... Folks, if I didn't know better, I'd say this ain't looking too good. Unless there's any doubt what the motive is bringing these people along, because we might have it you know, individually, like, well, I'm going there to witness, and I, hopefully, hopefully that is. Hopefully that's what Mr. Moore is going there for, with all due respect. But the conference is sponsored by the Pontifical Council for the Family, the Pontifical Council for Interreligious Dialogue, and the Pontifical Council for Promoting, quote, Christian Unity. So why are we coming? You might have your thing, but you know why we're bringing you here? So we can all come together as one under the Catholic Church. You're getting snookered right into it, okay? And as crazy as that sounds, the ultimate to me nail in the coffin that we know we're getting close. We don't know the exact day nor the hour. But if this one world religion is going to be fully in place for the seven-year tribulation... Then at some point, it has to go to that watershed moment where it isn't just where Protestant pastors would work in conjunction with this one world religion harlot. They would actually have to convert back to Catholicism, right? Logically, it's already happening. Here's just two examples. Let's take a look at that.
1: Larry Lewis is one of a growing number of individuals who converted.
0: I was a Protestant minister for over 30 years in different areas
4: of of ministry. And uh, I was very content, happy i uh, thrilled about it actually, and uh, then uh, pastoring the United Methodist Church uh, in the middle of that, of my pastorate uh, there, we were kind of blindsided by the Blessed Mother. She kind of came out of nowhere and uh, really began to turn our whole lives around.
1: Stephen Barham, a popular speaker at Marian Conferences, attended Assemblies of God before becoming a priest.
3: The content is the same basic
2: structure as the gospel. Repent, be converted, fast, pray, pray for the renewal of the church, go back to the sacraments.
0: That's not the same as the gospel. It's Jesus, that's it. You're now seeing we're at the point where so-called Protestant pastors converting back to Catholicism. Folks, if I didn't know better, I'd say that Jesus' uh, statement, uh, Luke 21, 28, getting pretty close. When these things take place, what do you do? Well, first of all, you run, and you freak, and you ride to the run of the hills and store up survival gear, and <laughs> no way, man, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. In fact, let's do that. Let's go ahead and stand today, shall we? Stand up. If you'd like to, do your rapture practice. <laughs> Our redemption's drawing near, folks. You can go ahead and be seated if you'd like. Folks, this is what all this means. This is not bad news. This is awesome. We don't know the day nor the hour. Man, I tell you what, we've never been this close. We've never been this close. But it's happening. You're actually seeing before your very eyes the Reformation being rolled over, being turned over, and even the Protestant so-called church, the fake church, is going back to a one-world religion harlot. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is coming to get us. And if you're here today in closing, hey, listen, if you're not saved, you better get saved. And don't drink this Kool-Aid. This is a lie. All religions do not lead to heaven. There's only one way. His name's Jesus Christ. Don't listen to this baloney. Even if you're in a Protestant church, this stuff's being preached. You better come to Jesus. He's the only way out of this mess. You need to get saved before it's too late. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi. This is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today...